Hello. It's Nia and Trent from the Trident Network's Tournament Podcast. We just wanted to pop in and tell you about the Tourney Pod, where each week we pit different pieces of pop culture against each other in a March Madness-style tournament. We try to cover everything, from movies to TV shows to music to random stuff, like our hotly contested best pasta shape bracket. You can listen to the Tournament Podcast and all other Trident Network shows wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you'll become an attorney at Pod soon enough, and remember, may, may the, the thing with, with the, the most votes win. Oh my god, hi. Welcome back to Disney Adult, the podcast where Chicago comedians watch and review Disney movies from the perspective of adults. Y'all, we have made it to September, which means I'm probably, when this comes out, because I am recording this, you know, in the past, or, um, uh, but when this podcast drops, I will probably be giddy with excitement over the new Shang-Chi Marvel movie hitting theaters, um, and we're also in the middle of recording season two as as I record the intro to this of Disney Adult. But I was thinking, would y'all be interested in season three for us to, you know, go over the MCU? I don't know. Part of me wants to continue to, you know, have this podcast be exclusively Disney. And the other part of me really considers Marvel part of that Disney umbrella at this point, or at least the MCU. Um, so, you know, follow us on Instagram and shoot me a message if you feel passionately. Otherwise, just... Wait and see what happens. Um, I am so excited this week because we are discussing my all-time favorite Disney movie, The Hunchback of Notre Dame. I love this movie. It is the darkest Disney movie I have ever seen. It is has the most adult themes. It is, I think, maybe one of the only Disney movies that could truly just be turned right into a live-action film and hold up because it has a lot of adult themes and content in there you know the it talks about racism and xenophobia and the villain is truly scary and awful um and i couldn't have reviewed such a dark film without two of the funniest people i know which are mike jess and sarah nyman two other members of my son daniel the famous chicago improv troupe so my loves without further ado here we go So, how are both of you today? How are you, Mike? I'm doing pretty well. What time is it? It's noon in um, New York City. Exactly. In the Big Apple. <laughs> it's noon here in the center of the world. The city that never sleeps. <laughs> <laughs> what does time matter when you're in the city that never sleeps? Am I right? <laughs> Clocks are illegal in public. Hell yeah. Except in brother. Times Square. The only yeah, clock Times is in Square. Times Square. And exactly. every New Yorker knows Times Square is the place to be. <laughs> Have you been <laughs> in New York long it? enough that Times Square annoys you? Um. Yeah, yeah. I have. It's, are you I mean, having it, to... Oh, sorry, go ahead. Well, it's 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 pretty gaudy, you know what I mean? It's like oh, who, yeah. I'm not sure who it is for. It's it's, <laughs> it's nothing there is like beautiful. No, it's like very neon, and there are ads. <laughs> <laughs> it's the cheesecake factory of New York City. Yeah. <laughs> um, do you know John never? And maybe this is I don't mean to out either of you, uh, but when John moved, I talked to him. I was like, when you lived in Chicago, did you ever once go downtown? And he said no. Ever once? Ever once. He had never gone downtown in the five years he lived here. It shows. It <laughs> is so on brand. <laughs> For me, it was so weird because I like I've always worked downtown. So I've always downtown has been mm. a major part of Chicago for me since I've lived here. And then I was thinking about it and I asked, and he said, Yeah, no, I never went down there. Um Okay. Okay, <laughs> how, are you, how are you doing? I'm super duper. It is nine AM here in lovely California. And it's hot, but Good it's morning. dry. Good yeah. morning. Let's talk about a children's movie. Are we Come awake? On. Yes, we're here um, to play. Oh my God. Today we're going to talk about The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which, by the way, is my favorite Disney movie oh, of all time. I already have issues with that. <laughs> um, it, is, it, too, it is my favorite movie. I think it is the darkest of all the movies I have, I have seen. It, it 
there's so many things about it I love. It scares me. There's, I mean, it, it run the full gamut of emotions when I watched it. Um, did you guys, when you were kids, did you watch this movie? No, never saw it. Until, you never saw it? Not until you had me rewatch it. But I do remember seeing like pieces of it. Yeah. I think it maybe was on in the background at some point at someone's, someone's house. house um, sleepover or something. Yeah, but absolutely never captured my attention at all. Okay, okay. So then when you rewatched that as an adult, what were your what was your first takeaways? Still boring. Don't know why this is a movie for kids. <laughs> like could not could not even imagine like as someone who works with kids, I would never put this on for kids and be like, they'll sit down and watch this. Yeah. I mean, I will say whenever I watch it, I'm never going to have kids, but I did think like if I had kids, I would even though this is my favorite, I would wait until a certain age to expose them to all the things happening in Paris. How about you, it, Mike? It, did you watch this as a kid? Yes, for sure. I, I don't know if this is how I saw it, but it feels like a movie they would have shown me in Sunday school. Because there's, like, <laughs> yeah. there's, there's a religious element and they didn't know yeah. what to do. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say, the 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 religion part of this movie is kind of the, the bad guy. Well, yes and no. There are some good religious people in here, but... Um, well, yeah, I wouldn't say the judge is, is truly religious. I mean, no, we can get into this. We're on a power trip. and um, uh, got, Well, let's get right into it. So we, um, essentially what we'll do here is we're going to read through the the plot of the movie. Um, there is one thing that I, I do need to say at the top of this, because it is 2021. So the term gypsy is not, um, is somewhat of an offensive term. So what we should be saying now is Romani for the Romani people. They're essentially my, I learned this through doing the history for this podcast, that they're essentially, um, you know, a migrant people who originated in Northern India and that the term gypsy is a, a slur and it's offensive. So we're going to do our best to say that. However, this movie was made in 1996 and that's the only term they use so we very well could slip up. We're going to do they, our best. They are saying it left and they, right from the get go. And yeah. as I did that research, as I was watching it, I was like, I guess it, the way they're using it makes sense because this guy is such a racist and such an asshole that he would be using that term in that way. Um, but I say all that to say I want to do our best to, to say it correctly, but we are humans, we make mistakes, and there is a chance that we might slip up and say it. Um, however, I am going to be reading the plot directly from Wikipedia, so if anything is wrong, that's not our fault. Um, <laughs> and then we'll be taking breaks along the way to talk about some things that we thought you two feel free to interrupt me because I can I can just read this and then we could be done in five minutes if we if if you leave it to me. Um, in 1482, Paris, we meet Kloppen, who is uh, the puppeteer and he's a jester. He's sort of the narrator of the story, and he mm -hmm. tells us this tale of essentially Quasimodo, our main character, when he was a baby. He was um, a Romani baby, and as the judge Claude Frollo, who is our villain, is chasing them out of Paris, he snatches a bundle of what looks like rags, but there's a baby inside, and then he's essentially forced to raise Quasimodo, who has um, some facial deformities, and he then decides, oh, okay, you're deformed. I'm going to lock you on the top of a bell tower for 20-odd years. Um so then we cut to Quasimodo as a young man who's truly living envious of everybody who gets to literally just walk around and be normal people outside because he's been told his entire life that he's a freak by this heinous, heinous judge. Yeah, this movie uh, was definitely long. made before it was okay to be ugly. It was <laughs> in the way people react to him when they see him. I'm like, when did that happen? Was it like 2004? Yeah, when I we started so. letting each other. <laughs> Well, yeah, I think it was around 2004. It was, I think it was like right after The Simple Life um, with Hot People are not that great. Yeah. <laughs> hot's not the thing. That's hot. No, it's it's actually not, and we're happy for it. Yeah. Um, and the way actually, people... pa Paris, actually, it's, a, it's, a, <laughs> it's irresponsible, and we're in a crisis. Speaking of Paris, this movie takes place in Paris, and these Parisians, when they see... <laughs> Um, when they see Quasimodo, they truly freak out as though he is a demon. And I'm like, he has a hunchback and kind of like a wonky eye. That's I okay. improvise with a lot of guys who look like Quasimodo. <laughs> That's all I'll say. They're my and favorite they're, teachers. They're, they're great dudes. <laughs> 
I want to point out too, as we're getting into this, that this is based on a short story by Victor Hugo, who mm. we all know wrote mm-hmm. Les Mis. Yeah. And this oh, is just really? a dark, yeah, this is a dark man writing a dark story. And Disney was like, that's let's get that going for the kids literally yeah and it yeah. stays dark they do not yeah. shy away from how um dark this fucking movie is they to the point where he's reading the abcs to him at the top of this movie and he's like a which by the way is the way if i ever had kids i would i would teach them the abcs he's like a is for abomination b yeah. is, yes. b is for better off Blasphemy. without you c oh. is better off without you it was i it was cruel but i did like it tickled me um and i did think if i ever have kids that's the first that is how i'll teach them the abcs for sure um and then we get the first musical number which is out there and it's quasimodo like singing about how he wishes he could be out in the street and um just like sort of living a normal life instead of being uh an outcast um as he sings a song, he meets, we meet Esmeralda, who is, I guess, like the princess person in this movie, like the princess archetype. Oh, gotcha. Now, I've said this on this uh, podcast before. As a child, when I met, as when I watched Esmeralda, I thought, that is a woman. And you that, said met. Yeah, when I met her. <laughs> when I met her, I was like, this is a woman this is a woman who is sexy she knows how to do woman things she is like (laughs) i was in love with her she might have been my first crush because i just she was so beautiful she was dancing she's great i mean she's a drag queen she has this giant mound of hair Mm -hmm. um voiced by demi moore but not sung by demi moore no absolutely not that's one of my favorite things that they did in the early 90s is like they'll get a name actor and then they'll get an actual singer yeah, do the rest I read something that said that she they were gonna have her sing and then she decided not to. And I was like, oh, that's like a really subtle mm, way of be of yeah. her not being good enough to Somebody do Somebody <laughs> recorded her and then she was like, okay, I've decided not to do this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what were your feelings when you met Quasimodo as an uh or like when we see Quasimodo and Esmeralda? together or independently or independently like as you meet these characters for the first time what are your first impressions that you're getting from them do you like them do you find them annoying do you I had a very dark reaction to Quasimodo because I just like kind of zoomed out of the Disney world and I was like okay if this was a real person he's alone in an attic literally picking up and moving big statues around and singing with them yeah so that, like it's a very dark image <laughs> yeah and he's got, he's got a little he's like got a little bird he like nurses to health or something yeah. right he's yeah for somebody who has never been shown compassion he sure does have a lot of it he like yeah. nurses these birds like to help he's like making up stories about the people he sees on the street they know they look like such a happy family she's going it's her 13th birthday and she really wanted a bike and she's gotten one and meanwhile it's like you're a prisoner to this insane man with the ugliest hat I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, <laughs> when, oh, by the way, he is, I truly do believe, the most evil villain we've, in all these movies we've rewatched in any child movie I've ever seen. This guy is pure evil. Yeah, he's, yeah. And he's, he wants to kill this woman because she won't have sex with him. And he basically sings that. Yeah. There's a really song understand. about it. There's a scene in this that as an adult, I was like, holy shit, where they go into the basement of some big thing and they don't show it, but you hear it off camera is that he's whipping these Romani prisoners. You hear whip cracks and shit. I was like, I was a kid watching this. I think I got, I was starting to get drunk by that point. And it was oh yeah, I was patchy. very high for the first time. <laughs> I was very high at the top of this. And then it was a sobering event by the end. Um, <laughs> and also, uh, one of the things that I love about uh, Esmeralda and her people in the streets are they, these are my, pe- these are party people. They know how to throw a party. When they had the Feast of Fools and all these people are jumping around, they have like puppets of celebrities and shit and everybody's singing along. <laughs> they all know their parts. I was like, this is a party to be at. Wait, who are the celebrities? So, in the town celebrities. So, like, Fro- yeah. Frollo always, they always have a puppet of him that is like, They'll whip his head off and and he's in drag or something like they'll make fun of him through these puppets <laughs> and stuff um but it was a party it was a party to be a part of um 
and then during this time, Quasi sneaks out of the the uh, his gargoyle friends, convince him yeah. to sneak out of. He parkours um, down the side Notre of the Dame. building. Invented parkour, by the way. <laughs> he nobody parkours like him. I was mm -hmm. like, you were you were essentially the Hulk. <laughs> you were the Hulk before the Hulk was the Hulk. Um, and he's enjoying the party. And then we get to our first major pivotal scene, I think, in the movie, which is essentially where Esmeralda thinks he's wearing a mask because he's deformed. Mm -hmm. Um she brings him up on stage in this party, which, by the way, they invite the villain to the party. He gets, like, his own viewing booth. And I was like, don't we all hate him? Can't he, yeah. like, sit upstairs and watch, like, a parade, watch from his bedroom or something? Um, and they try to remove Quasimodo's face and reveal the entire team, the entire town sees him for who he is for the first time because they cannot pull his face off. Um, I know for me that this was a very... I was, this was more intense than I thought it would be rewatching it. I felt so embarrassed and sad for him because they immediately like tie nooses around his neck and tie him down to this wheel that they spin around and throw tomatoes at him. Well, yeah. Well, the thing is, is that they, they, or maybe this happens right after that. They, they decide, everyone decides that they love him and there's like yeah. three seconds of everyone loving him. And then one tomato is thrown. And then all of a sudden everyone's like, fuck that guy and it like really makes no sense no it reminds me a lot of twitter <laughs> like people will lift everybody up and then the moment one person is like this guy actually sucks for this reason everybody's like destroy his family i, I want to say that about about more things in this movie that they remind me of twitter <laughs> it truly does it's like at one moment everybody he is the truly they're holding him up on chairs right? and like yeah. dancing with him through the street and then the next moment one guy's kind of like what if no and everybody's yeah. like that's no! the back and that's the backlash that's the <laughs> backlash and the backlash to the backlash oh god oh wait i had something i wanted to say since we mentioned voice actors it was interesting to me the guy who voices quasimodo the kind of the only other thing he's done is he is? was mozart in yes. amadeus in the, one of the oh. arguably greatest films ever made Amadeus. Yeah. yes he's incredible okay yeah. i know that this is a um hunchback podcast why is Amadeus one of the greatest films ever made? It's beautiful. It's funny. It's entertaining. The cast is an all-star cast. Both of the male actors got nominated for Best Actor at the Oscars that year. That's never happened before. It's, it is top to bottom of a, a stellar film. It's really good. And yeah, I, I would say it's something like that. Something like that, yeah. Uh, I can't believe he, he didn't really do more than Amadeus and Hunchback. I know. He was very good. Hello. Future Devin here. At this point within the podcast, we experienced some technical difficulties on my end that took 15 minutes for me to figure out. <laughs> How fun. Let's get back to it, shall we? So I'm so sorry. I interrupted your um, your reviews of Amadeus, the movie. <laughs> Stellar movie. Stalin movie, Stalin movie. Um, so before my... Uh, before this kicks out again, let's talk about um, Esmeralda's performance for, first of all, I don't understand why Esmeralda is just kind of like the queen of her, the unelected queen of her people. Mm -hmm. During this party, they're just like, pull out a table and let her dance. And yeah. She, she slides down a spear like a pole. Yeah. In this Disney movie for children. She is the winner of RuPaul's Drag Race season 14. <laughs> she's doing heels, she's doing splits, she's jumping into splits from a high, it's unbelievable. I, it, it is like, like no she's, wonder she's, I thought she's she was a, the sexiest person to ever exist. She was. And she's right. And she's a princess, but she's like, it's not a coming of age story for her. You know what I mean? Like she's for, fully formed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 She was also another one when we watched, um, so, like, when we started this season, we were watching Ariel, who's absolutely 16. Um, and then now we're sort of getting into, like, the Megs and Esmeralda, who are women. They're, like, in their early, late 20s, early 30s, mm. fully formed. She's also very political. She knows, like, she puts what's-his-face in his place immediately, the judge. Mm -hmm. He's like, a lesson needs to be taught. She's like, he's like, this is right. She holds up a knife and screams, justice! I was like, you better work, bitch. 
you are my kind of girl. <laughs> you are my kind of girl. So um, then he sticks these cops on her. Um, essentially always says, like, guards, go get her. And she turns into, once again, this is really a Marvel movie. Because between, <laughs> between her and uh, the uh, and Quasimodo, they are superheroes. She's like, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. I got this. She's like swinging around poles. She's lancing. She was so, she's so cool. That's who I want to be. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, and then essentially what happens is they don't catch her. She gets away um, and lives to fight or like dance another day. Mm-hmm. And this time we also meet her essentially love interest, the captain, whose name I can't even remember. Um, oh, I think I wrote it down. It's like fudge or something. Oh, like yeah. Oh, no, I just wrote down Kevin Klein. He's voiced by Kevin Klein. Okay, so oh, Kevin Klein. How do we feel about this guy? Neutral. Well, what a dud, right? Like, right. cool, but who cares? It's a bummer for Quasimodo that he yeah, exists, I guess. Quasimodo's yeah. immediately in love with her, and then the moment she sees, like, a hotter dude, she's like, Quasi, I love you, but... It, it could never work between us right but not like that yeah yeah it's, yeah so rough which by the That's... way a lot of this movie is about unrequited love did you guys feel that whenever you watched it yeah <laughs> it sounds like sarah was like so checked out she was like fuck this kid fuck his problems <laughs> well it's kind I of just... oh go ahead well, i was gonna say it's kind of nuanced you know that's sort of like a for a kid's movie that's like a complicated um yeah like love not even quite a love triangle but it's like a complicated situation where you're a friend you're friends with someone but you love them but they have their interest in someone else like yeah it's rough it's really rough i think during the watching of this movie as an adult i was way more into who was voicing who like that's just where my attention is nowadays. Oh yeah, um, my... and I kept I have running notes that I was writing as I was watching, and a lot of every like couple lines it says lost focus, lost focus. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe because you're writing down because <laughs> you <laughs> lost focus. <laughs> I will say the side the sidekicks of every Disney movie are just. Um, just a Rolodex of comedic influences as a kid because they always had the funniest voices. It wasn't necessarily that they were like, it's like the the gargoyles in here are some of the funniest, most unique voices. <laughs> I you could they couldn't be anybody other than who they are. It's like Jason Alexander. Um, oh my god! Yeah, the, the old nun from Sister Act. Yeah, and then wait, Maggie Smith? No, no. no oh, it, oh, it's a different Maggie, I think. Okay, okay. Um. She's the one who like plays the the piano. Like, hey, that's a star. <laughs> like, that's that crazy voice. Um, I wrote down the name Harry Connick Jr. and I was like, wait, was he in this? And then I'm remembering now that I wrote that down because Quasimodo looks a lot like Harry Connick Jr. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Quasimodo has a Christmas album that he sings from the church. <laughs> he incorporates the bells. He was on Will and Grace for a while. (laughs) (laughs) My parents used to love Harry Connick Jr. Harry Connick Jr. was like working class elegant. Do you know what I mean by that? He was like still kind of, he had like a blue collar feel to him, but he also Mm -hmm. like, you could see him in a a country club hitting a cigar and, and crooning into a microphone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Buble, we we regressed culturally with Michael Bublé. <laughs> I would say, yeah, oh yeah. So Michael Bublé is let's let's hash this out. Of all the crooners that we know, uh-huh. um, Harry Connick Jr. is very Walmart, mm. correct? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes, certainly not. Uh, very working class, very approachable. Uh, and then I would say Bublé is like Amazon Prime two day delivery. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Okay. Yeah. yeah. Um Who's Josh ex- Groban. Josh Groban St- is like Starbucks. Josh Groban is elitist. And everybody knows that. <laughs> everybody knows Josh Groban is elitist. Um so where are we at in our notes? So Esmeralda follows Quasimodo inside. Uh, to uh, Notre Dame, um, mm-hmm. only to be followed by Captain Phoebus was his name. 
Um, Phoebus, that's right. And he has a crack about his own name. He's like, at least your name's not Phoebus. And I was like, yeah. I'm glad someone pointed that out. Yeah, your, that's his, your name the, sucks <laughs> even for the 1400s in Paris. <laughs> that, that's his That's his Joker origin story. It's <laughs> like, my, my name's fucking Phoebus. I can do whatever I want. Oh, yeah. Of course I'm angry. <laughs> there was a moment in this that truly made me, it makes me cackle every time I watch this movie, where um, right before Esmeralda has the big fight scene with all the guards, she like hits a puff of smoke and disappears. Mm-hmm. And the camera zooms in like literally like uh, dollies into Frollo and he goes witchcraft <laughs> I, I quote that all the time all the time we'll get to cut in line at a uh, the other day I went to uh, Chipotle and it was a buy one get one free burrito day and I had no idea and it, it was a rough day and I get to the front of the line they're like you actually get two and the second one is free and witchcraft it comes up in my life all the time <laughs> Um, which by the way he then tries to arrest her for witchcraft but she's in Mm -hmm. a church and um, sanctuary sanctuary and some nice priest comes over and claims sanctuary for her and is like you're not taking her out of here she's she is a um she's a child of god and she's safe in these walls i will say from watching this movie as a kid i thought sanctuary was like a much bigger like legal principle oh yeah like i i was kind of always like pitching it to people who like <laughs> if if i saw someone on the news that committed a crime i was like well they should just go to church <laughs> I, yeah. do, I wonder how much how much that holds up i feel like i read an article a couple months ago about an immigrant family who lived in a church for 20 years claiming sanctuary wow. and you still claim I'm just imagining little Mike in elementary school. He's like, you can't give me detention. Yes. It falls under the category of things that were, that are heavily used in kids movies that then make you think that's going to be, there's a couple things that have come up on this podcast of like things that we thought were going to be a much bigger deal. Having to evade quicksand. I yeah. was so afraid of quicksand. So afraid of quicksand. was afraid it was going to happen all the time mm-hmm. <laughs> where, i don't even know where quicksand happens Mm-mm. it must be like south america i don't know yeah it's, and it's... also like <laughs> how does it happen what's going on what and then also having to zip line away from a situation i thought was going to be a much bigger deal than it was <laughs> it seems like well, you thought you're gonna be in a lot of hills yeah. is quicksand <laughs> essentially a sinkhole in the desert because sinkholes are a real a uh, real fear it, they must be but the way they were always depicted was like it was just a pit of sand that almost like a fondue fountain that kept coming up and going down. Yeah, oh, that's you know what I mean? Because yeah, it was yeah, always yeah. level. It was yeah. never like a hole. Oh yeah, you could never see it. That's what was yeah. so scary about it is you would just step right into it without even knowing. And yeah. I, we knew enough about it to know you don't move. I remember knowing that. Okay, I have to remember that you don't move when you. If you, you it only there. takes you faster. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, Mm -hmm. freaking catch 22. (laughs) What are you going to do? That's like when they say, when they say you can't, if you're, if it's raining and you run, you don't get any less wet. Yeah. Which is like (laughs) fucked up. It's like, so there's no escape from the right light. You just can't, you just can't beat rain. Yeah. Ad break. Don't want to talk about the weather or the pandemic? Me either. No Wrong Answers, Non-Burning Questions to Kickstart Conversations is a conversation card game where you can ask life's least pressing but most important questions. Why talk about vaccine rates when you could debate questions like which cereal mascot would be the best kisser? Or you own a boutique candle shop. What is your least popular scent? These are the burning questions you should be asking. This card game is created by two of my friends, my personal friends, Paula Skaggs and Josh Linden. Yes, I have friends talented enough to create a card game. And if you love me, you love them and you'll love this game. No Wrong Answers is a deck of 70-plus conversation starters that you'll come back to and debate over and over again. This is great for dinner parties. It's great for Zoom happy hours, first dates, classrooms, prison visits, fast food drive throughs It literally, there's no place that these conversation starters won't work. Holidays are right around the corner somehow. 
And this would make a great gift. It would make a great thing to put out on the table to, you know, generate conversation between you and your family. You know how hard it is to catch up after you haven't seen each other in the year. What are you going to talk about? The fact that you share blood? No. You're going to reach for one of these cards and you're going to get the conversation started. And if it doesn't get better than that, a portion of the proceeds go to the Greater Chicago Food Depository. I mean, come on. Listeners can use the code TRIDENT for 10% off of their purchase. Go to NoWrongAnswersGame.com. Once again, NoWrongAnswersGame.com. And use TRIDENT for 10% off your purchase. I mean, come on, y'all. This is fun talk and <laughs> not small talk. Yeah. <laughs> Or uh, I will say though that does fall into that. Um, there, I guess people are thinking about adding when they talk about fight or flight response. They're also thinking about adding freeze because some people just truly freeze. Ooh. That is me. I will free. I, I will just be like, I don't know what's going to happen. I guess we're going to die here. Like, I'm flight. I leave. I'm going to leave all of you in the dust. I was at yeah. a rehearsal one day where there was a huge crash at the front and like someone broke a window and it was an accident, but it sounded like we were under attack. And I was out of there faster than anyone's business. Oh, I more, left everyone there. Even more than that, your flight or flight, I've seen it. It will be triggered over nothing. One time a bug landed on your forehead and you ran two states over. I did. I'm fast too. <laughs> You're it helps fast. I'm You're really fast. You called from, a, it was like, where is she? And then she was calling from a pay, a pay phone in Idaho. Like, oh. I was like, it's gorgeous here. Come on, you guys. <laughs> I'm not fucking with that bug. <laughs> um, in the US, the answer is yes. People could still claim sanctuary in churches. Wow. Great. There is, uh, I think they meant to say growing number. There's going number of, can uh, declare themselves sanctuary churches. Okay, so there's a growing number of um, congregations that are claiming sanctuary churches. If you declare publicly that you intend or are providing refuge to someone who is undocumented, how can you be acute, blah, 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 whatever. Um, so yeah, I guess if you're really in the need for it, look into um, claiming sanctuary. Great. I would like to do it uh, the way um, Michael Scott claims declares bankruptcy, <laughs> where you just scream it into the wind and know that it's done. <laughs> Sanctuary. Um, so she essentially she gets to know Quasimodo a little bit, and she really um, boosts him up. She's like the first person he's ever met who has said <laughs> he is worth. She's like the period. first person yeah. he's ever met. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> um, and definitely the first person to give him any self-worth. She's like, you're cool. You can do these things. Like, you're so talented. You're not a monster piece of garbage, no matter what. this. And she handles the situation in, with an element of grace that I think most people don't. Which okay. she's just like, maybe he's wrong about both of us. And then her hair blows in the wind and she walks down, like saunters down back into the church. I'd be like, this guy's a fucking psychopath, and we need to develop a plan to kill him now. Um, which is why I haven't helped anybody get out of sanctuary. Um, she then essentially, he helps her get away from the church. Uh, she goes back to the Court of Miracles, which we keep hearing about, where all the Romani people like sort of live at night, which we mm -hmm. later meet in the movie, and is so fucking cool. It's like they got electricity, they got shops, they got... It's like the Mall of America, but it's just like in a sewer. Yeah. Reminds me of Chuck a lot. Yeah. <laughs> I love that movie. That yeah, I was just gonna say too. that seems like a movie you would love. <laughs> Do yep. you remember? By the way, the whole reason that I one of the reasons I asked you to be on this podcast, Sarah, um, as opposed to any other movie, is because I did tell you once that you have very Parisian style and your whole face lit up. And if um, anybody could see me right now, <laughs> I am holding a baguette. So You are holding a baguette and you do have a beret. And you're on a bicycle in the middle of your hotel room. It's insane. <laughs> um, so as we continue, uh, Frollo essentially gets really fixated on Esmeralda and becomes very rapey very quick. Yeah, like, here's some lyrics that I jotted down. Please, uh, please. Um, I wrote, well, that might not be a lyric. Now there's a fire. That's probably just me saying that there's a fire. He says... <laughs> A burning desire is turning me to sin. Don't let this siren cast her spell. Destroy her because she's making me horny. Okay, so that's a little loose interpretation of the lyrics. But we get the gist. Yeah. Kill her because I'm horny. Yeah. Is what's going on now. 
Yeah. I remember being a kid learning like, oh, this guy is projecting everything on this woman and she's doing literally nothing wrong. Yeah. She, no, she's just existing. She's just existing. And the, which is why it makes him, in my opinion, the scariest villain I've ever seen in a kid's movie. It, it is like a sort of realistic thing that can happen of, of like a male and a guy in power. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah, like very sure. like, and there's a line, the, the, what's the narrator's name again? Um, it's like Krumpus or something. Clopin. Clopin. Oh, well, whoever. He, he has a line Majestic. earlier where he's like, he finds, uh, he finds like injustice everywhere but himself. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, yeah. he see like, it is such a, like, he has no, I don't know. He has this like insane ethical system that is, but it's based around but his own self-interest. And that yeah. is so based in people who are, incredibly fundamentally religious sometimes can really find a way there's a scene where he's telling her well first of all at one point he sniffs her hair like some psychopath in i a jotted that movie. down it yeah. was insane he like licked her neck and smelled her hair yeah um mm -hmm. but in that moment he the the writers of the script do a good job of like he never even internally accepts his his role in this and is instead really able to um shift blame in a way that I think people who are devoutly also, people who are incredibly fundamentally religious regardless of the religion do have an ability to do where they only see things that they want to see and the narrative almost instinctively shifts to support whatever feeling or action that heinous action that they're willing to do like he was leaving I, I can't remember what it was but he was essentially leaving and it was like um, she was like you're heinous because you're doing this to all of us and he whatever his line was was like you're making me do this by your sin i have to i'm like that is the mm -hmm. way insane people mm -hmm. think like yeah. this guy is a nightmare mm -hmm. yeah and then when push comes to shove he goes whole hog like at one point he's like we're gonna burn down the city to find her and then it cuts to them do. burning down the city i was yeah. like that's like an expression <laughs> <laughs> can't you go inside and look what are you doing <laughs> and one guy and his team being like one guy who's like oh i thought he meant for real <laughs> i thought he meant for real oh my god it was it literally like slap cuts and the whole city is on fire it's burning yeah yeah um there's also a couple moments in there before he he eventually does capture her but there is a moment where he like is looking for her and he lights this family's windmill house on fire yeah that motherfucker goes up in smokes immediately yeah. tinderbox <laughs> and um the guy who who i don't particularly care for uh phoebus saves these people so he's a good dude um mm -hmm. saves these people he's shot with an arrow she finds him she takes him up to uh, Quasimodo, who's immediately like, I don't want to help this prick. He's like my competition to Bono, right. I guess. Um, and then, long story short, due to some things he has overheard from Frollo, they go, um, which, what a dumb name. Um, they go, they find the Court of Miracles, they capture Esmeralda, and they're going to burn her at the stake like a witch. Mm -hmm. And then... Uh Let's also just point out the fact that there's a close-up shot of her sewing the wound shut, too. It was very, very cool. She knows, like, if you think she's about the it, one to know. The skin is just another fabric. <laughs> <laughs> Which explains why you do have that human skin ball gown that you wear to every gala you go to. <laughs> yeah, it well, fits just, him so well. You say, and not that I go to so many galas, but yeah, I forget. When you do, we recognize the hard work you've put <laughs> in on that gown. Thank you, yeah. Thank <laughs> and you, you, thank so you enter, you enter, you come down the down the staircase yeah. that is inevitably yeah. in the middle of the room, and there is your train is trailing like a train of blood on the stairs. Right, right. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. And I feel like listeners are picturing something gross. I mean, this is It's not. <laughs> it's very tasteful. It's <laughs> it's very tasteful it's majestic it's very, yeah. it fits him like it a glove it nips in at the waist it goes out it's a beautiful ruffle i mean it's ethically sourced <laughs> yeah absolutely it was it's donors mostly, only it's mostly sunburn stuff <laughs> <laughs> what do you do uh, how did you get this beautiful color i left it out in the sun 
Turns out skin still sunburns when it's off your body. Mm-hmm. Um, that is so gross. You get a beautiful tan. Cut to me doing a full drag number and inspired by that, but nobody knows the reference, so I look like an insane person. Um, so then he, speaking of insane, he ties her up to the stake, and then at the very last moment, he's like, you could still, like, if you have sex with me, and, and I will save your life. And she spits right in his face. Um, and Good for her. Good for her. For her. And then Quasimodo has, like, this moment, this Spider-Man moment where he, like, one, breaks out of these chains. He swings down on the longest rope I've ever seen animated in my entire life. And, like, <laughs> scoops her up, takes her up to the the top of the um, top of the Notre Dame. And then mm-hmm. um, there's this huge fight scene. Between... And that's kind of the iconic moment of the film, right? Yeah. That yeah. swing. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Which, by the way, it was weird watching this now because that church had historically caught on fire and mm-hmm. the whole right. time i was watching it i was like this is too eerie that this is this whole city All is burning true. around this church <laughs> it was so it was so off-putting and weird to watch um and then there's a, oh can i say ahead. something really quick that i think Please. we we need people to know um after going over all of these violent things that have just happened and all these horrible things, I just uh, took a note that at the very beginning of this film, when you press play, it says rated G contains tobacco depictions. Tobacco depictions, I remember that. <laughs> and that is the only warning. And then three minutes in, we are pushing a woman down the stairs and she's dead. <laughs> Which is so bonkers because we watched Aladdin and Aladdin has this huge statement that is like the things depicted in this movie. Um, are, have racist connotations. We would have done it different now, but we don't want to delete the uh, we don't want to delete the films. We just want to recognize that where we can grow and be better in the future. Mm-hmm. Quasimodo, not even a like we rated this G at the time, but we do kill people immediately and also talk <laughs> about raping a woman the whole movie. Tobacco use, <laughs> tobacco use, <laughs> which I couldn't even tell you when they use tobacco. No, the, the- I don't recall. The New York Times in like the last month had an article about why was this movie rated G? Yeah. I, in my reason, uh, there was a ton of things that were like the most R-rated G-rating movie you'll ever see. Um, Then, long story short, we get to the very, very end. There's a huge fight scene between Frollo and um, Quasimodo, essentially. Quasimodo is like jumping on the side of a building and uh, this judge is swinging a sword at him. Um, and then eventually he falls to his death into the fire and uh, they are free to, I guess, here's the one thing I don't understand, but I don't know a lot about Parisian history. Isn't there somebody like above this dude? Is this guy like the mayor? What's going on where everybody's yeah. listening to him? It's like Sweeney Todd too. There's like, it's like a judge who seems to like, own London? Maybe that's like, just the term yeah. that they use for... I don't know enough about history to know. For but someone seems, in power? Yeah, I don't yeah. know. It seems like after he gets caught in the fire, just like all Disney movies do, the fire dies down. It's a bright, beautiful day. They go outside. Even though it was the middle of the night two seconds earlier, yeah. um, they <laughs> go out and uh, Esmeralda and Phoebus, um, Captain Phoebus, kiss in the sunlight and it's wonderful and Quasimodo's really happy for him because the yeah, whole he town puts their hands together yeah which raises one of my first Oof. philosophical questions Could is that be quasi you? a cuck Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah um honestly quasi's the guy who holds the camcorder like he's not even involved at all <laughs> He's the sound guy. He's the guy who comes in and like mops off sweat. Um, but could that be you? Would you, you're saying would you be you, if you have the really, humility? Yeah. If you are really in love with someone, mm. in the way that Quasi is supposed to be in love with Esmeralda, could you be happy and still be a third part? Because I think this changes for every person. Could you be a happy third member of that relationship? For me. I could not. There are too there are too many people in in this world to be like worried about trying to hang out with people who make me feel like garbage. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's like have a wonderful time, get the hell away from my castle. Yeah, you would have to wonder a couple of years down the line, Quasimodo's living in their guest room. <laughs> what what is that yeah. like? Yeah, or like I don't know. It depends. It's person for person. Like sometimes I feel like people who are in situations like that don't 
some people can handle it really well and they can set those boundaries and know other people are like the type of people who will constantly be trying to make it work constantly trying to find any little sliver of hope to get back in yeah mm. he gives them his blessing but he's he's sticking right by him he's staying yeah. very close <laughs> yeah <laughs> just in case there's ever a crack yeah and he's always Something close happens. To esmeralda to say things like you know what that is so right he doesn't respect you and he doesn't listen yeah. to your like, do you need to come do you need to air out anything what, how you are you know, come stay like at it? my place for a couple days we'll look at the city um from 400 stories in the air yeah and then she's like sleeping on the couch and he comes out and he goes are you sure you don't want to just sleep in the bed this is so silly <laughs> this is so silly we won't we won't touch each other think of everything we've been through together I love the Quasimodo going, this just feels silly, right? This feels silly. Come on. We're and such wearing... good friends. Just sleep in the bed. <laughs> he's wearing a robe. He has like a big, fluffy uh, Playboy robe. Like, yeah. come on. <laughs> the gargoyles are playing uh, like a, a three-piece orchestra. Like all string instruments. I didn't know. They came with string instruments. It's like, anything can happen. Just follow me. Ring a bell. Um, and then the movie ends. Um, yeah. I think it's, I think we've covered it, but do you final thoughts on like, before we get into the questionnaire, is this a movie that you'd recommend? Do you think holds up for adults to watch and not just children? No. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't well, think it holds well, up. It's for so adults. weird. It's a, but I also am not sure kids should watch it either. That's well, that's the thing is I was like, I think this holds up only for adults. I yeah, don't know right, that children right. should be watching it. Right. You know, I honestly, I don't know. I, I think it's like dark it is like a dark animated movie which i in it i'm not saying this is the one but i do wish they made like what if they made kind of a faithful adaptation of the hunt you know what i mean like yeah. without the talking gargoyles there it, yeah. it doesn't like there's yeah, a, like, yeah. a 1939 version of this movie i think yeah uh like with real people in black and white mm -hmm. i'd be curious to see that Sorry, I'm looking at my notes. No, please, as am I. Um, I, I here's the thing though. I like the gargoyles. I think it adds. I think if you're gonna <laughs> tell something that's so dark, and I know this wouldn't work. I, as I say it out loud, I know it's not gonna work. But if you're gonna tell a story that is that dark and depressing, I think there should be one incredibly campy, ridiculous comedic element to it, <laughs> mm -hmm. like a man whose head gets caught in an urn in the first scene and the whole movie is just him running around with an urn on his head trying to get it off. It's like this horrible, heinous story of this the subjugation of these people and then out of nowhere is like... Like, when <laughs> there's a scene where the gargoyles are standing up. They're in the middle of the fight. First of all, every Disney movie that I've watched ends with a major fight scene in the, in the third act that all the side characters get to sh really shine in. Like it's in yeah. every single movie, and this they get one, kind of a non-traditional weapon, and they they, they clonk someone <laughs> on the head guy. at an opportune moment. Yeah. Jason Alexander like chews up a brick and turns it to a machine gun. <laughs> 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 the one woman like turns into the Wicked Witch of the West from um, the Wizard of Oz. She's like, "Fly yeah. my pretty these birds that have been bothering." I thought that was so funny. I remember as a kid being like. That's a good reference. That is a funny. That's a funny reference. And she looks a lot like the Wicked Witch. That actress who voiced her looks a lot like the Wicked Witch from that movie to the point where she's so old that I thought maybe she was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we'll but never know. That's unreal. Oh, also, by the way, the woman who voiced that, um, a fun fact I also learned, the woman who voiced that gargoyle, she died right before this movie came out. Oh, Whoa. she never got to see. This is her final role. Yeah. Um, so that brings us to the end. And we do have one final questionnaire that we like to ask, which is how Disney is this movie? When we started this podcast, we were asking things that were traditional Disney tropes um, that would really identify whether or not a movie was Disney. And then as we have gone along, we have updated and changed these questions. Almost every podcast we add or change a question. Um, so it looks a lot different. So if there's anything that you see, any questions that you'd like me to add that you tend to notice in a lot of Disney movies, you can. But I'm going to ask you these now. Now, some of these are interpretive. Some of them we can have discussion on. Some of them we'll know the answer right away. Great. So question one. Who's the real hero of this movie? Mm. Esmeralda. I would also say Esmeralda. I mean, Quasimodo's a pretty good hero. He's a pretty decent guy. Um, and does the right thing, but she is really that bitch. 
Yeah. Yeah. She's she's so definitely in. yeah. She's the catalyst. He wouldn't. I don't yeah. think he would have ever gotten out of the tower no. if not for her. Honestly, mm-hmm. he's like a distraction from her story. She's so in wounds. She's a political activist. She's like. She's uh, barefoot the whole time. She's barefoot the whole time. She knows magic. <laughs> Sleight of hand. She's a, a master of costumes and disguises. Yeah. And she way, can sing. How hideous are the people of Paris that like, well, first of all, they're turning their noses at um, Quasimodo. She has a goat head for half of the time she's in the streets and nobody says anything. <laughs> like right under that hood is a full goat. And everybody's like, here's a bagel. Here's whatever. Um <laughs> <laughs> Literally nobody cares. Um, the bagel. <laughs> who is, question two, who in this movie has hot dad energy? Ooh. I think they try to give Quasi some hot dad energy. He's like <laughs> always like grunting and working on his own projects and like, <laughs> such a dad thing. Yeah. Part He's of in the me. garage building something. <laughs> yeah. He's, also... got... He's got some unresolved stuff from his childhood. Yeah. <laughs> it's classic dad stuff. Things he just to doesn't communicate talk with. about. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Um, I would say Quasimodo definitely has hot dad energy. Also, the um the gargoyle who like turns his eyes and drops a brick on one of the oh yeah yeah yeah. The older, that, yeah yeah in that moment i was like that's a hot dad who's like oh i evaded the wharf <laughs> i'm a pacifist <laughs> um question three is there an element of uh, absentee parents or an orphan aspect to our main story there always is i can't yeah. we put this on there hoping to find one that wasn't and the closest we've gotten is mulan there must there must be scholarship about this but the orphan archetype is so prevalent it's so prevalent and then in our last a guest on one of our podcasts said like oh that's because walt disney himself was um his mom like, died his mom died yeah. and then yeah. i was like oh i guess that i guess i feel worse for shitting on it did you hear but, how she died she like she, she died pushed, of like was she pushed down a stairs by a religious judge exactly <laughs> No, he like they, him and his brother bought her a house, and then she like died of some gas leak in the house that they had just bought oh her. It's God. pretty rough. You, speaking of uh, next question, uh, question four: Who has narc energy? Is there a narc in the mm. story? I think you know who has narc energy, but is not a narc. The horse. <laughs> <laughs> The horse? The, the horse, horse is like, I'm not, I'm not sure about this. The horse has narc energy. And we'll ask another question about the horse later, but um, I would either say the horse or kind of also, I mean. I mean, the judge is beyond He's narc. beyond, he's, he's the yeah. epitome of narc. He's the supreme. Yeah. Narc supreme. Um, question, speaking of the judge, question five, is our D- Disney villain gay? Yeah. Well, no. Well, yeah. No. Because, Ooh. because what does he say at the, I got you. He makes some comment at the beginning when she's dancing about how it's disgusting. And I was like, well, that's just like. I think that's more to do with his. Um, self-hating. Self-hating. Yeah, yeah. Uh, aversion to anything sexual in the. That's sexual. true. Yeah. I yeah. think the thing that makes him so creepy is that he is void of any gayness. Yeah, that's why he's so yeah. violent. When you you're really, I mean? really straight, you're really violent. What is that? Why is that true? It's really true. The straighter you are. Also, sometimes like sometimes I'll watch straight pornography will happen upon my phone. And I'm like, (laughs) y'all people out here are insane. Y'all are violent. Like let that girl breathe. Pornography happens on your phone. Like it complete it just happens. happens Like I don't even I'm not even looking for it. Sometimes sometimes it's yeah, sometimes I, I Leave, leave some breadcrumbs for it to find its way and other times it just truly shows up and i'm like y'all are punching and hitting and choking in here this is crazy town yeah yeah oh. straight people yeah. are terrifying <laughs> and you can leave that in <laughs> no, oh absolutely one million percent uh we should do a whole episode on like why that is um 
Six you just won. I think we can knock it out in an episode. <laughs> <laughs> we spent an hour, we spent an hour on it. I think we can really get to the bottom of why straight <laughs> is so violent. Uh, the stranger uh, something is, the more violent it is. Um, six. Do does the villain have idiot sidekicks? Mm. Oh, the 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 dudes who burn the yeah the guy who burns yeah. the, the burns city the down. whole town down because yeah like, based on a, a simple heated suggestion (laughs) (laughs) um eight it okay so this question has multiple layers is there a horse yes yes so when the answer is yes our next question is but is the horse actually a dog oh that's funny the goat's a dog the goat is the yeah. Dog. But also, yeah, there's yeah. there's really like Mary an animal in this movie. You know what uh, I will say compared to most Disney movies. You bring up a good point. I actually don't think that the horse is the horse. I think the goat is the horse, which is also the dog. Mm-hmm, yeah. Mm. Do we follow that? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Anybody else think there's a different horse, or can we agree that this is the horse? I yeah, I remember the goat more than the horse, and the goat's a dog. And the goat is a dog. Yeah. Yeah. Because the goat is the horse, but the horse is the dog. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Question nine: Who is the Rosie O'Donnell? Which character has Rosie O'Donnell energy? Okay. This while you think about it, yeah, is it the only probably? There's no right or wrong answer, but the first movie, every movie Andy watches, he thinks one of the side characters is voiced by Rosie O'Donnell. Could have been Rosie. Could have been Rosie O'Donnell. So that's really, I guess, the question is: Which of these? figures could have easily been rosie o'donnell mm-hmm. the I'm goat gonna... is the horse is the dog is rosie o'donnell <laughs> <laughs> either that or the captain that esmeralda falls in love with yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah also yeah. very be a rosie o'donnell um <laughs> does uh question 10 does the villain's death involve falling yeah, yeah he absolutely. lord of the rings it into that yeah. fire he lord of the wow. he and gaston both have a lord of the rings moment a lot of them also fall in different yeah. ways, but those are really the two biggest. Eleven, this question was given to us by our close friend Cole. Um, does this story have an element of rich people trying to fuck poor people? Yeah, fuck them yeah. over? The or, or no, no, have sex with them. Yeah, wow. that's the backbone yeah. of the story. It's the backbone of the story. Yeah. Wow. Um, and it's in every story. You would be. That's the thing. It's like rich people have all this power, but poor people are so fucking hot. Hot. <laughs> And guys, if we just if we can band together and and be hot, and be hot. Honestly, in the group. I'm gonna add. Thank you for that, Mike. I'm gonna add we another. We both question. have what the other needs. Yeah. Yes. Um, I'm gonna add another question that we'll ask right now, which is also come up a couple times. But the way you put it just made me think: Would this story even be even happen if the people in it weren't hot? <laughs> no. <laughs> you know what i mean it's so funny that like the inciting the inciting incident is like and there's a hot person like i was living my life and then someone was hot if snow white wasn't hot would anybody walk past and think i gotta kiss this woman literally literally she has to be the fairest in the land Mm -hmm. of them all it is bonkers yeah wow like in Mulan, if Mulan wasn't hot, would there mm-hmm. be, would people be so interested in finding out that she is a girl under dressing as a, you know what I mean? Um, mm, that one, that one maybe is maybe the closest to, it, it doesn't totally rely on her. Yeah, I guess. But I, but I think they would have been a lot more pissed when they found out if she wasn't. <laughs> yeah, they they wanted to be more pissed, but she was so hot that they're yeah. like, mm-hmm. they're like, damn. Um, she got us and last but not least if they were going to make a live action recreation of this movie and you could only keep one voice actor to reprise their role which character would it be Jason Alexander yeah I agreed always Jason Alexander (laughs) I would have said um, the the female gargoyle but she is passed but Jason Alexander is the best I guess yeah well thank you so much what a wonderful time um any any major takeaways from this movie? Any life changing lessons that you've learned? Anything that you're going to be thinking about for the next couple days? One of the gargoyles has a little line, like to suggest a butt, but not mm-hmm. all of all of them. 
<laughs> and you're gonna be thinking about that for quite some time. I've been thinking about that for a while. I'm looking at a screenshot right now where it's like you see. The... <laughs> oh wow! Sarah, any takeaways? So, uh, I I really think that the last shot of the movie stuck with me, where a little girl breaks out of the crowd, walks right up to Quasimodo, and touches his face. Yeah. And also and... she was dressed she was dressed like one of those women who help women give birth at the house. Yeah. What's that called? A midwife? A, she's dressed yeah. like a, a midwife. A doula. She's dressed like an old 1400s doula and she walks right up to him and just starts feeling his face. Starts touching his face. And I just, yeah. So my takeaway is the whole like, okay, it's okay to be ugly, we've decided. But we didn't we didn't agree at the beginning of the movie yeah. that that was okay. Yeah. Um, and yeah. and it's really really based and whether it is or is not okay is really based on the crowd's reaction at that given moment because as mm -hmm. we've also learned one tomato can make everybody who's can, ever uh, loved yeah. you turn people, on you in people a second. are so dumb <laughs> that they are so susceptible to so crowd visually things. right so visually based yeah mm -hmm. and so desperate to fit in that they'll literally torment and torture somebody in the middle of town square because they're like i wasn't going to be the one who said no yeah, um, I'm going to now that I know that you claiming sanctuary is legal, I, I'm going to be committing a lot more crimes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God, we have uh, to utilize this amazing law. Loophole. Everything from fender benders to like true identity theft and then immediately finding myself <laughs> the closest church. Is that a sanctuary? I'm <laughs> having all my meals Ubered to the sanctuary yeah. <laughs> I'm having all my groceries delivered they're making it so easy for us to, to live in a sanctuary life <laughs> <laughs> oh. well thank you both so much for being here it was great talking to you you too um, is it a true joy it was a true joy goodbye Disney Adult is part of the Trident Network to learn more about our videos live shows and other podcasts please visit thetridentnetwork.com that is the Trident network.com and also don't forget to follow disney adult on instagram at at disney.adult.podcast